We could use your help keeping the Omaha History Podcast going. Please consider becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Go to patreon.com slash Omaha. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It'll help pay the light bill. Welcome to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Each week, Adam takes you on a guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past. The town of East Omaha was south of the present-day Epley Airport, west of Abbott Drive, and north and west of the Missouri River. Throughout the years, the town has been home to more than 2,600 households, countless businesses, a school, the East Omaha River Rats, and now the Open Door Mission, the Omaha Correctional Center, the Omaha Immigration Court, and businesses like Monarch Oil and the Fleet Pride Service Center. So, Adam, tell us the 160-year history of East Omaha. My history in East Omaha starts way back in 1983 when I was just a snot-nosed little kid who had moved there from far away. When I got there, my older brother and I used to stand out by the fence at 16th in the outside of our house at the Garden Court Apartments. And we would wait at the fence for the bus to take us to the pool uh, through a recreation program by the city. As we waited, once we got jumped by the East Omaha rats, these young people claimed to uh, be part of this group that wore jeans and white T-shirts. Now, they didn't snap their fingers like the Sharks and the Jets, but I get a sense that way back in the 1950s, that's what the East Omaha River Rats were all about. I've heard about them over and over from people who still live in East Omaha, and it intrigues me because it goes all the way back in this history of East Omaha being the ugly stepchild of the city of Omaha. Way back in 1853, before Nebraska was opened up for territorial settlement, before anybody could lay a claim to the land formally, a guy named Edmund Jeffries moved into East Omaha and claimed 30 acres. When he was there, Jeffries built a farm. He put down crops and different livestock, and he lived there for more than 30 years. He was regarded as one of the town, uh, town's pioneers. Uh, for the city of Omaha because he was involved in everything down the river there. But by the time that Jeffries passed away, his claim was forgotten, and other people had started moving in around him. His claim was located where the Epley Airfield is today. And just south of there, there was a place that people knew to be kind of a rugged place. It was rural. It was separate and apart from the city of Omaha with all of its fanciness and development. That little place was called East Omaha. East Omaha wasn't a formal town, but it was definitely a place where people lived. Had almost 2,600 residents who lived in all kinds of houses in different places around the area. And these folks did all kinds of different things. But they were part of a history that got really, really rich and humongous. And then it was erased from the city entirely. You see, Steve, back in the 1880s, there was a group of land speculators who came along and saw Edmund Jeffrey's claim, and they bought it up. And then they bought up a bunch of other claims that were left after a flood laid out a chunk of land right in the middle of the Missouri River. This chunk of land was called, quote, the island, not because it was actually an island, but because it was stranded between Nebraska and Iowa. Today we know that island, quote, island, to be 
the city of Carter Lake. But back then it was called East Omaha. And East Omaha was thought to be in Nebraska, as well as the land to the east, which before you got to the Missouri River is a pretty big chunk between Carter Lake, the airport, and the river. That's where the town of East Omaha really grew up. In 1887, a group of speculators got together and bought these 2,000 acres in Carter Lake, in the city of Carter Lake, in the town of East Omaha that we know today. And these speculators started doing developments in order to make their land worthy. You know, they bought the most expensive land transaction that had ever happened in Nebraska up to that point, costing more than $700,000 to put together these 2,000 acres of land. But they put in improvements right away. They cleared out trees. They laid down roads. Remember that back then, all this was being done by hand with folks cutting down the trees and uh, building up the roads. They paved Locust Street from 16th all the way over to the river using granite blocks, and it went all along there. Almost immediately, well, by 1891, they had started a a train company to run an electric streetcar from 16th Street all the way to East Omaha. And then in East Omaha, just past Locust, or just past Abbott Drive today, they opened the East Omaha Factory District. This East Omaha Factory District, just for a minute, Steve, in your mind, I want you to imagine buildings as massive as what were in the Jobbers Canyon in downtown Omaha. But instead of being warehouses, they were factories. So they were built four or five, six stories tall. They were hundreds of feet long. They covered city blocks. They were actually located just south of the airport today. You know, today we look and see the correction center and immigration center and different things like that. But back then, you saw places where men worked, where things were created and lots was happening. The first 30 years went by pretty fast. And after the East Omaha Land Company moved in and started uh, getting businesses to move in, uh, people needed houses. And so... Uh, Lots were sold, and more than 100 houses were built right away for workers in these plants to live close to their jobs. And along with those houses and the plants and the streetcar that was put in, the road that was paved, there were other roads laid out. There was 10 acres of parkland set aside, and lots was going on in East Omaha. As it started to grow, businesses started to open up, especially bars for the workers and the plants, but a grocery and other things came along as well. With that electric streetcar, East Omaha was connected to the rest of the city, but they also ran granite slabs from Locust all the way down North 11th Street into downtown Omaha. So the paved roads helped that industry grow. But the thing that affected the industry more than anything else and really allowed the East Omaha Factory District to grow up was the Illinois Central Railroad. The East Omaha Land Company partnered with the railroad to run a competing bridge to downtown Omaha. You know, if you're going to have a factory, you have to have a way to ship things. And in the 1890s, the best way to ship things was on these modern railroads that were zipping all over the country. Omaha only had one railroad bridge at that point. And the investors in the East Omaha Land Company knew that the way to get more money from their investment was to get a railroad put into their community. And that's why the East Omaha Railroad was built. The Illinois Central took over control after the bridge was built. But before then, it's important to note that the bridge was originally designed to be multimodal. Uh, Not only would it carry trains across for the industry, but it would also carry electric streetcars and 
have lanes for bicycles, pedestrians, and wagons. So this was really seen as being a visionary kind of thing. It opened in 1891. Uh, the bridge suffered a little bit over the years, though. Early on, there was a huge flood in the, in the late 1880s that uh, knocked out the usefulness of the bridge. So they had to actually reconstruct it in 1901. And the second version of the bridge was opened in 1908. When it was opened, it was actually the longest double swing truss bridge in the world. It had two sections that would swing open to let barge traffic through the river and taller traffic through the river. Um, And then they would close up again and you could use it for the railroad over and over. So it was a pretty innovative thing. It was pretty long, and it was super useful between the 1880s and the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. I'll get to what happens to that bridge later on. But it's important to understand that when I'm talking about the East Omaha factory district, I'm not talking about one or two factories. Instead, I'm talking about the Barber Asphalt Paving Company, the Adamant Wall Plaster Company, the Omaha Cereal Company, the Monitor Hard Plaster Company. I mean, Steve, this place was packed. The Marx Brothers Saddlery Company had 75 workers in their three-story brick building. Uh, 15 workers worked for the East Omaha alfalfa mills and produced 200 barrels a day of these different kinds of cereals that went all over the country. The Robinson Notion Company built a four-story plant that it was eventually bought by a couple of other companies, but they had 125 workers in East Omaha factory district in a four story brick building, making overalls, work shirts, jumpers, pantaloons. They had six traveling salesmen all over the country. And eventually they were sold out to the Kilpatrick Cotts dry goods company, which even spread their brand further. So that factory was huge. The Omaha hay company was big. <sighs> There was a lot going on in the East Omaha Factory District, but maybe one of the most important businesses down there was the longest lasting. The Omaha Box Company opened in 1890 in the East Omaha Factory District, and it stayed in that district all the way until this year, 2019, when it moved out to West Omaha. The company's still going, but they started in East Omaha, and they were a key element of the success of the district for all this time that they've been there especially for its first 50 years. Another important company that was down in the East Omaha factory district was the Levi Carter White Lead Company. You know, it started in 1886 in uh, downtown Omaha. It was actually located between the Burlington Station and the Union Station, right on the tracks right there. And uh, it was opened as the Omaha White Lead Company. That building actually burnt down. Carter bought the building and the business from his investor partners, and he rebuilt in East Omaha on land that he got really cheap. He decided to start selling paints and all kinds of home treatments to hardware stores, paint stores, drug stores, anybody who would sell it all the way across the country. He bought a formula for Dutch paint uh, from an entrepreneur in the 1880s, and for the next 50 years, Carter, 40 years, Carter brand paints were sold all across the United States. They were super popular in the Northeast and here in the Pacific Northwest, as well as down in the South. And I, I, not ironically, uh, the brand continues today in a form called the Dutch Boy brand. That actually started with the Carter White Lead Company way back in the 1890s in Omaha. Carter uh, was a super important employer down in East Omaha. He suffered a couple of factory fires. In 1891, his factory burnt all the way to the ground. He rebuilt bigger than ever in East Omaha and kept going. Um, I have pictures of that factory on the NorthOmahaHistory.com website. 
His new plant cost more than 200,000 bucks. He built it out and uh, the plant's output doubled. There were 21 buildings at the new plant. It was at 21st Street East and uh, East Locust Street. So you can actually go down to the site today. There's nothing there, but you can see where it was. Uh, Carter went on to buy a plant in Chicago. And they produced so much paint, they became the largest single white lead manufacturer in the entire nation. When uh, uh, he died in 1903, a guy named Ed Cornish took over his company. Now, Cornish did a couple of interesting things, but not the least of which was that he uh, kept the company going and eventually ran it all the way into 1916 and beyond the Carter White Lead Company company, the, their brand kept going until 1936. As a side note, Cornish ended up working with uh, Levi Carter's widow to open a park in the name of Levi Carter. Not coincidentally, he married the widow and got the fortune and got the company and named this park after Levi Carter. So, uh, you know, lots of legacy from East Omaha still in the area, even if there's no town there obvious anymore. Another industry that opened up down in East Omaha early on was the oil industry. Uh, a number of locals uh, from the community worked for Mona Oil and the Monarch Manufacturing Company that actually started over in Council Bluffs but moved to East Omaha. The Serial Petroleum Company ended up taking over Mona and started a radio station to advertise their company. That radio station is called KOIL or COIL as we call it. But think of the letters K oil in honor of their own product. That radio station is still going in Omaha today and is yet another mark of East Omaha on the city. Even though uh, the company didn't last, the brand still does. Another big industry down in the area was the railroads. You know, the Illinois Central crossed the East Omaha Bridge right there, uh, along with the Omaha Bridge and Terminal Railway Company, which was the company that ran the streetcar up and down Locust. They actually had a terminal right there in East Omaha. There were roundhouses that were within a mile and a half of East Omaha, and lots of the workers at those roundhouses lived down in the village. The Union Pacific had a line that wrapped around the north side of Carter Lake. The Omaha Road, which was actually the Chicago, St. Paul, Minneapolis, and Omaha Railway, they ran out of the area at North 16th or North 14th and 6th and uh, Locust Streets. Eventually, the Missouri Pacific Railroad and others ran through there as well. So lots of railroading in East Omaha. And there were other money-making ventures. You know, there was an illegal dump there where people were making money both off of collecting stuff from the dump, but also picking from the dump and reselling things. And then in the 1960s, airport-related things came along and popped up along Abbott Drive and took over a lot of spots in East Omaha, the rental car companies and the commercial parking lots. And today, of course, there are hotels there, too. You said airport. Well, how does the airport relate to East Omaha? Well, not ironically, the airport was originally supported by the East Omaha Land Company. Well, eventually that became the East Omaha Land Trust. This group of businessmen who owned the whole thing, they were from the East Coast and they were rich guys in Omaha. And they turned the whole thing over into a trust at the turn of the century. They realized they weren't going to make as much money as they wanted to. And they had to do something with the land. That trust was run by the Byron Reed Company, which is actually still operating in Omaha today. And the trust ended up selling land to the city of Omaha to become the Omaha Municipal Airport. When the American Legion was raising money to build the first hangar at the airport in 1926, the Omaha, the East Omaha Land Trust donated money 
to the hangar to be built. Ironically, it was the airport's growth and expansion that was one of the main sources for East Omaha getting wiped out eventually. Now, East Omaha was always in an argument. And one of the arguments was, where do they belong, in Nebraska or in Iowa? The Supreme Court weighed in uh, at the just before the turn of the century, and they ended up saying that the city of Carter Lake, well, what became the city of Carter Lake, where the old riverbed wrapped around it was part of Iowa because it was originally part of Iowa and it would continue to be that way. But the other part, the section that we are calling the village of East Omaha, that was in Nebraska. Omaha didn't want anything to do with it, though. It was too far removed from the city, and they didn't want to drive across Iowa to get there. So they kind of let it go on its own. And that's where East Omaha got its rough reputation from. Without active policing, active fire department, without active sewer upkeep and different things that the East Omaha Land Company originally put in being maintained, well, it kind of got rugged down there. Um There were grocery stores, five grocery stores. There were six taverns. There was a school. The Pershing Elementary School was built in East Omaha in in 1926. It was a three-story brick building with a fine basement filled with a gymnasium. There was a cafeteria and a library and school rooms, and it went all the way through grade eight. Lots of folks today have memories of going there. Uh, And by 1950, with the 2,500 residents around it, it was a hopping place. But it wasn't enough to keep the neighborhood going, unfortunately. As the neighborhood developed, though, the residents got to see other things grow up around it. The Levi Carter Park went in at the turn of the century, and uh, the airport opened up in 1926, and it went on from there. The town itself, the streets weren't upkept, but that didn't stop the Presbyterian Church from opening up a mission. Actually, a woman named uh, Adela Dottie. Mrs. Dottie was responsible for getting this Presbyterian church going and running for 50 years or so. Like she was a pretty important and busy person around the community. She kept pushing and prodding the Omaha Presbyterian Theological Seminary up on Florence Boulevard to get involved. And eventually they did because of her hard work. The school stayed open until 1976 when a pretty damning report came out. But I'll get to that in a minute. The other thing to know about East Omaha was its kind of shady side. It turned out that since it was rural and kind of disconnected from the city of Omaha, the mafia took advantage of it. And they opened up some, uh, you know, exclusive establishments uh, where they had bars and clubs and social activities and all kinds of things happening. Uh, Places like the Chaparie and the Stork Club. They were really hopping and uh, became a place of concern for Omaha to take care of, but they still kind of ignored it a little bit. What they couldn't ignore, though, were the flooding, the floods that kept happening. Like I said, 1877 and 1881, those floods actually carved out the Carter Lake. But, you know, Steve, over and over, 1890, 1901, 1919, these floods just smashed East, East Omaha. They would wreck up the factories and hit the businesses and, of course, soak the houses. And they didn't stop. In the 1920s, there was the East Omaha levy district that was created, drainage district, and the idea was to build up the levees for the first time. And that began to happen, and it began to help. Held off flooding in the 30s, but in uh, 47 and 53, big floods came that really smashed East, East Omaha. Lots of people who were kids back then, they remember now living in Miller Park in temporary housing, living in Coots Park and in Hanscom Park in these temporary houses that were built just for them. So the floods had a hard time uh, and, and gave the East Omaha a hard time. 
the levees helped a bit, but uh, things didn't change that dramatically. You know, and the floods kept coming. As recently as this year, the floods were hammering on East Omaha and really making a hard time for that area in general. To imagine what it was like when it was packed with houses is hard to say. Which brings me all the way into the 1970s. You know, lots of things happened in between. The Triple C ended up tearing up Avenue 8s to build the Carter Lake bathhouse that's now on the National Register of Historic Places. And the land trust had to sue the city of Omaha to get their Avenue H paved after those cobblestones were stolen. So that happened. And there were truck farms that were sold all around East Omaha. And lots of the land was taken for the airport. I wrote an article about that on North Omaha history. You just look up truck farms and you'll see it. But uh, in 1976, a really damning report came out. And it claimed that East Omaha, the water table was too high. So the houses were going to keep flooding. The floods that were coming were only going to get worse. The airport needed to expand. And basically, the whole thing recommended that the, the entire town of East Omaha, every residence be demolished and all of it rezoned industrial. Steve, that's exactly what happened. The school was annexed into Omaha Public Schools in the 50s, and the area was annexed into the city of Omaha in the 50s, 57, actually. So that gave the city all the leverage that it needed to make that change happen. In 1974, the city planning board decided to vacate nine streets in East Omaha. That was a huge hit to the neighborhood. And then in 76, uh, OPPD started ripping down light poles throughout the residences that were left. That same year in 76, Pershing School was closed. This report said that there was an increasing number of elderly people in the area, a decreasing number of young people, a low birth rate, and almost nobody moving into the area, into the entire neighborhood. So... In late 1976, the rest of the houses were taken out, and airport expansion kept happening, and East Omaha stopped existing. Today, Steve, there's one house, one house left in East Omaha. In a time when there were 2,300, today there's one. The airport is growing still today, and that's happening a lot. But luckily, there are a few signs left of what was East Omaha you can go and see the one house that's left. You can go and see the East Omaha Bridge that still stands today. You can go and see the Mona Oil Company building that was built in the 1930s. Or you can go and look at the Carter Lake Pavilion that was restored uh, after it was built by the Triple C with cobblestones from East Omaha in 1936. The environmental cleanup with the EPA Superfund site affected East Omaha just a little bit, but Really, all that's left down there is the Open Door Mission and the city of Omaha's juvenile jail and the Immigration Center and a couple other things, uh, but barely any any memory of the streets, any memory of the sidewalks, and any memory of the vital life that once gave East Omaha factories and houses, a school and more. That's all gone. Visit NorthOmahaHistory.com to see pictures, to learn more of the deep history, and to see some neat comments from people who grew up there and what East Omaha was actually like. Thanks for listening to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Join us next week as Adam takes you on another guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past.